This week's podcast brought to you by Dehydrated Chicken and Jerky for the Troops. Rebecca, while you were out of town covering the tournament, I was driving our kids around the other day, and as we pulled into the garage, a Bad Bad Leroy Brown was playing on the 70s channel on Sirius XM. And we came into the house, and our eight-year-old was still singing it. And I noticed that she was, not only was she singing uh, Baddest Man in the Whole Downtown, thankfully eliminating the swear word, she was also singing Badder Than Old King Kong, Meaner Than a Hotel Swan. (laughs) And I actually think I like that better. Sing says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Well, I'm back home from a very exciting and busy weekend at the Women's Final Four after a very busy and exciting, what, three weeks of the NCAA tournament? Yes, and I'm still at home after a busy and not very (laughs) exciting three weeks of the NCAA tournament. Well, this was so perfect because I was, uh, after the game, I was back up on the studio set and um, waiting for Coach Mulkey and some of the players to come up because we interviewed the championship coach and some players after the game. And as I'm sitting there uh, waiting for this to happen, I'll, I just keep getting these ding text alerts on my phone. Ding, 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 ding. And it was about 10 or 12 of them came in one after another. And so I glanced down at my phone and I realized it was Little League alerts that the coach was putting the schedule into um, the online system. And whenever there's a schedule change, I get a text alert. And it was almost like a little mini um, boxing glove, like tapping me on each cheek every time one came in, like, welcome back to reality, welcome back to reality, welcome back to reality. This is your real life that you're about to return to when you get home. It's it's nothing but little league alerts of practice changes or game changes and... uh, the timing of it could not have been more perfect. You thought it was text messages from viewers congratulating you on the fantastic job you did broadcasting <laughs> the final. No, I knew it certainly wasn't that. I just couldn't imagine what could be, you know, even a group text. Generally, you don't get 10 or 12 back-to-back alerts. You thought, but, it, was uh, your hus- it, was. You thought it was your husband asking it, what temperature do you bake or I had a crinkle fries. <laughs> Actually, last year was when you, you hit me up when I was um, in the middle of watching practices asking about how to bake a frozen quiche. You did text me something this year, but it, you at least started it with, I know you're really busy, but there was some kind of question that was easy enough for me to answer, answer via text. But uh, I appreciated that you threw in the, I know you're really busy watching practices, but... Whatever the question was, yeah, I don't even I, I, remember. I had four kids in a burning house. Um, you were <laughs> you were had your feet crossed watching practice in an arena, but I I at least tiptoed on eggshells and said, uh, "I know you're busy, but may I trouble you?" Um, well, it might it may not have even been at practices. We may have been in one of the rooms interviewing them. I, I'm going to say this though, Amelie, Amelie, however you pronounce it, arena in Tampa, Florida, is freezing cold. 
It is freezing, not during the games, obviously. And I know that's the reason they keep it so cold is because when people are coming in and out and the doors are open, all the heat from outside is pouring in. And when 22,000 people are in there, they raise the temperature as well. But it's when the you, home ice of the, of the Tampa Bay yes, Lightning. Yes, yes. And so, but when we're there all day watching practices, it's absurd. Um, I was in pants, two sweatshirts, and it wasn't just me because I understand that I'm my body temperature runs on the cooler side, but even Adam, I mean, everybody, as we're sitting there at times, people had their hooded sweatshirts, the hood up. It was that cold inside the arena, and even, the players were out there, you know, in their t-shirts and stuff running around. Even though you were in pants, as I previously said. <laughs> well, I'm saying I'm not wearing, I wasn't wearing shorts. I was in like long garments of clothing covering my, you know, all of my skin, and it was still freezing cold just as just an aside it, it, it was a very very cold arena long garments of clothing yes long swaths of cloth covering my skin <laughs> well we have winners in the men's and women's basketball tournaments which means we have winners in the bnc square the ball and chain bracket challenge who are those winners we have we have more losers than we have winners, but it's like the, the billboard at the 96 Olympics. You don't win silver, you lose gold. Yeah, but well, these are the actual winners of the BNC Bracket Challenge. That was an actual billboard, by the way. That was a billboard. We drove by it, was, it, it was every day on our way to either practice or on our way to games. I don't, rem- I don't, I don't know Atlanta well enough to know what highway it was off of, but you'd be on the highway. It was a Nike billboard, a big, giant Nike billboard. You, do not, you don't win silver. You lose gold. And the U.S. women's basketball team, Olympic basketball team, would pass this billboard. This is the first I've heard this anecdote on a daily basis. We pass it every day. And so would the men's team. So, And um, I don't know if the athletes in the Olympic Village passed it on their way to their venue to compete. I don't know that. But I do. Uh, yes, we passed it every single day. And if you win bronze, read the next billboard. Don't even bother right. coming home. Right, right. Just leave, just leave that medal in your hotel room. As for the rest of you losers who didn't win any medal at all, slink home in shame. Yeah, yeah. I know. It, it was unbelievable. That's but yes, a, that was absolutely a billboard. The Jerry Seinfeld routine about, about gold medals and you, oh, I just lost by one one-hundredth of a second. That's not bad enough. But now I have to be now on the, on the podium with different levels for one, two, and three. On the podium, I have to feel be made to feel like marginally shorter than the guy who won right right that's a seinfeld routine i haven't heard that i've got to listen to that that's yeah that's exactly what it is well the men's bracket virginia wins an overtime thriller last night um needless to say the top seven uh finishers we had more than 90 i don't know exact number but there was more than 90 entries into the men's uh, ball and chain bracket our bracket i should say first your bracket i filled it out for us who'd you have winning i had duke winning okay we finished 69th. Oh, that's really bad. Out of 90-something? Yeah. <laughs> well, it's around, it's, let's say 100 for math purposes. That's, it's the 69th percentile. That's poor to very poor. That's that's instead of sta- standing on the lowest part of the podium, let's dig a hole <laughs> to stand in. And uh, and how poorly did I do on the women's well, side? Well, let's first, let's do the men's, okay? Okay, so let's do the men's. It's just fresh in my memory from, from late last night. And the winner of the men's bracket in sole, sole first place, with uh, 1,380 points. I don't know what that means. He had Virginia winning, of course. Is Oh My Aiken Bracket. Oh My Aiken Bracket won. Well, he or she should have won for the best uh, name in the bracket anyway. Well, it just so happens that before last night's game, this is from um, last Wednesday, April 3rd, we had a viewer mail 
from Ome Aikenbrecht. It must have been the day after we recorded our last podcast. So I'm going to get to this ahead of viewer mail. He writes, uh, Hi, Rebecca and Steve. I am the unwitting bracketologist behind the Oh My Aiken Bracket mentioned on the podcast as currently leading the men's bracket group. Steve's right. It's a play on words in my last name, which is pronounced Aiken, even though it's spelled E-I-K-E-N. As Steve correctly guessed on its second try, it's one of those names commonly mispronounced and which I always have to spell out when I tell someone over the phone, uh, as we sometimes have to do ourselves. Love the podcast and appreciate the mention. I love Stingray Afternoons and I'm looking forward to Nights in White Castle. I'm of the same generation and grew up in North Dakota as a Viking fan, so I have a lot of similar childhood memories as Steve. This is we're getting some background on our winner here. I don't know that we'll be able to do with this with the women's winner, so oh, I'm this reading is this. Terrific. Yes, please give me I also more. have kids about the same age, so I can relate to most of all of your parenting adventures. So thanks for sharing with your listeners. Keep up the good work. Sincerely, our winner, Tim Aiken of Oh My Aiken Bracket. Congratulations, Tim. What does Tim win? Johnny, tell us what Tim wins. I think what Tim will win is Denny with one N Gallagher got these amazing t-shirts or they're actually long sleeve soccer jersey yeah, kind custom of made thing. soccer jerseys, um, custom made ball and chain soccer jerseys made up. They were and actually Knights in White Castle slash ball and chain. That's right. So um, I think I think that this winning this bracket we'll is worthy of sweet. one of those we'll amazing shirts. Nice. But if it's not yeah. that, it will be something something nice. Can I just bring up something We probably should have that, thought of this in advance. But they'll get something, something nice. Um, I want to bring up something quickly that he mentioned in uh, in that viewer mail. Um, what was it about spelling, the, having to spell the last name? He said, he said um, that uh, he frequently has to the name is commonly mispronounced, and I always have to spell it out when I tell someone over the phone, as you at one time mentioned, you always have to do with your last name on the podcast. Yeah, well, in, in even when I was a kid, I mean, Lobo is an easy name, but I just have a distinct, many distinct memory, memories of my mother spelling the name over the phone, and, you know, L-O-B as in boy, O. And I don't know why, but that used to drive me nuts. Like, why does she have to say B as in boy? Just, you know, as in in a kid brain, the things that drive you crazy. But can of course, you, can't you say B as in girl? Right. <laughs> but of course now, if I have to spell my name for any reason, I say L-O, B as in boy, O. And I'll have to ask one of our kids if uh, if that drives them nuts the way it used to drive me nuts when I was a kid. Shall we get to the women's bracket? Let's get to the women's bracket. More, back, now tell me again, you were the women's 60 bracket, what? 69th. Right the bracket. You were 69th. Okay. We have well, more than 100 entries in the women's bracket. Of course. You filled out our entry. I did. Where do you think you finished? Well, because had, I didn't have, I don't think I had either team playing. I may have had Baylor playing in the championship game. Um, I'm guessing I finished in the 40s. You finished 22nd. Okay, that's not terrible. The first 12 entries had Baylor winning. Uh, of the top 17 finishers, 16 had Baylor winning. The 13th finisher, Dr. K, had Notre Dame winning. So must have picked amazingly well. Right, the rest right of the up things. until that. But our point. winner, our winner, is and we don't have sadly don't have a viewer mail from this person is Hoops Coach nineteen sixty four. Hoops Coach nineteen sixty four uh, wins the women's bracket challenge, finishing twenty one spots ahead of you. So we will have to find out. Hoops Coach needs to send us an, an email at Ball and Chain Podcast, at, or is that? At oh, Ball I'm and sorry, Chain I'm Pod? sorry, I've 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 blown this. Hoops Coach nineteen sixty four. Is a winner. Is a winner. It's we have a tie. We have a tie. We have a tie. I feel like the Oscars. Like I've like I've blown this on the Oscars. Okay. Who, we're not taking away from who's taking nothing away from who's coaching. Dude, Sports. is there really a tie or did it's really a tie. coach not win no, and now you're sixteen hundred and fifty points? Okay. Tied. 
Hoops Coach 1964, and Resident Quilter. Oh, yay, Resident Quilter. So uh, edging out W Brain Bracket at the 1640. So we have two winners. Everybody's a winner here, of course. Because it's not 2019. Yeah, no, no, not everybody. There's no participation <laughs> medals, no participation teachers. So we have two winners. So we need them both to send an email to ballandchainpod at gmail. Is it pod or podcast? Ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Okay. I mean, I know on, I hear man. it every every week, but ballandchainpod at gmail.com. Send us an email and um, with your name and your address so that we can make sure to get you your prize. Exciting. Wow. Exciting. And, and I, I have to say, uh, because we mentioned her last week, Mama Prue. Oh, where did finished, Mama Prue uh, finish? Tied for 17th. Mama Prue had UConn winning. And she was the top finisher who picked UConn. So that's so, something. That, that is something. So that concludes the BNC uh, bracket challenge. The tournament itself, any great memories, any uh, off-court shenanigans? I think you were probably too tired to really tear it up in Tampa, but you love Tampa. Not just too tired. We don't have any almost any free time we are going from meetings to practices to more meetings Um, it looked lovely outside I think once or twice Holly Rowe and Maria Taylor and I got to walk down along the river and get something to eat and then hustle right back for the next meeting (laughs) I was in in a car I was in the car with our 14 year old this morning and she said mom came home she said we should spend more time in Tampa she said we should have you should have come to the Final Four in Tampa. I wanted to go to the Final Four in Tampa. She wouldn't let me. What's she talking about? Why is she saying this after well, she gets back? Because she didn't hear what I said. I did say Tampa is a lovely city. We should spend more time there. I certainly didn't say you should have come to the Final Four oh. because I know she there'd be no time to do anything. She she hears things that don't actually come out of my mouth. But I did I I do love Tampa. It's a uh, it's a great great city, and I enjoyed the time there. One night, Maria, Holly, and I were able to get some dinner. This was after one of our production meetings. And there was this big, giant, inflatable NCAA trophy. I, I don't even know how big it was, but it was enormous. And the base of it was at a level where Maria and I could easily just lean and then sit on it. And But Holly is much shorter than me and Maria. And so we had Maria had this footage, if anybody saw it on Instagram, of Holly trying to climb up or jump up onto this giant inflatable trophy. Was it, it was it like a bouncy castle? It was like a giant bouncy castle, but it wasn't meant for you to sit on it or climb up on it. And it was absolutely, absolutely hysterical. And Holly was in fits of giggles. And I, I have to throw in, there was no wine consumed at dinner. There was no alcohol. This is just because Holly Rowe, this is her personality. It was, this could have been the most entertaining thing that happened the whole weekend, was watching her her five foot nothing frame trying to jump up and climb onto this inflatable trophy anyway finally this guy came over to take a picture maria and i easily sat on this one area and holly jumped up and sat and as she did as he's taking the picture she starts sliding off and falls down onto the ground we we have that as a as a live photo i think that i will try to post on our instagram account but it was um if anybody saw holly doing that that night if anyone was in tampa no, she hadn't had a single drink. That's just <laughs> that's just Holly Rowe. Well, we had our own adventures here, of course. Uh, I can't think of any of them. But uh, and, and our kids are off school this week. It's their spring vacation. You have to go to New York to uh, to do the WNBA, WNBA draft. Oh, the, uh, for people who are listening to this podcast on Wednesday, April tenth, tonight at seven p.m. on ESPN two, I think, is the WNBA draft. Very, very exciting. And as we record this on Tuesday. 
I will be going to New York to see um, the, the Minnesota Twins take on the New York Mets. It's a rare opportunity on the East Coast. So are you definitely see going the Twins to do play that? National League. I, I don't know. We can talk about this. Okay. We can hang up and listen and talk about this off the air, as it were. Um, but uh, you know what? I'm just having a recovered memory here. While you were gone, of course we watched the basketball. Sometimes we watched other stuff. And I think the kids were watching some old show because our 12-year-old said, do you know what is so cringy? A word she uses a lot these days. Do you know what is so cringy? And she sh- sort of shuddered. She said, in old movies from like the early 2000s, when they have flip phones. <laughs> That's cringy. Cringy. Or when they have, and she, again, she shuddered, when they have like the giant phone with an antenna on it. Right. Well, I can see that. That's a little silly. But uh, but I don't know that it's cringy. Well, they they love that your dad up until about last week was still using the flip phone and it's a source of endless mockery and amusement for them yes my dad hung on to the flip phone for a long time i wish they still had the phones i had one for a while where you could slide out the keyboard instead of the ones now that's the you know it's a digital keyboard i liked the actual keyboard when you were pushing the little buttons and i never had a blackberry but there were cell phones where you could just slide out a little stick that you could poke the buttons with oh they, they had that too yeah I'll ask you about this. When I was flying out to Tampa, I was at Bradley Airport and I was buying a bottle of water. And we've talked about this before. You know, do you want to buy anything for the troops? Well, th- this is the most specific a uh, a cashier has ever been when I've when I've been getting something. So all I was getting was a bottle of water. And she said, "Would you like some gummer snacks?" And I said, "No, thank you." And she said, "How about a beef jerky for the troops? How about a beef jerky for the troops?" And um. Anyway, I, I thought Were you that supposed was to eat a beef jerky for the troops, or were you supposed to and donate a beef jerky to the troops? I don't know if I was supposed to yeah, take one and say cheers and take a bite out of it. It was just, I thought, one of the more odd, specific troop requests. That, it's like uh, that pouring one out there. for your homie. Right. How would it, here's a beef jerky for the troops. <laughs> right, right. How would you take the $9 that I would be paying for that beef jerky for the troops right. and send them 100 beef jerkies right. at cost? Right, exactly. So no beef jerky for the troops? I, I did not indulge the beef jerky industry by purchasing what do you, what, for the Can troops. I ask you one more question? Yes. What do you have against the troops? I have nothing against the troops, nor do I have anything against beef jerky. I actually like beef jerky. I just thought it was an odd and interesting question. Speaking of that sort of thing, and I'm not sure it is that sort of thing. It's not that sort of thing at all, come to think of it, but... I was watching TV yesterday, and I was really enjoying this program that um, I discovered while folding laundry this week. It was um, it was a car show. I'm not that into cars, but it was... You're not that into cars? You're not into cars at all? No, I frequently get into cars. Right. But, like, you, I mean, have as you ever, as, as far like, as being into gazed cars, no. under the hood of a car just, you know, ooh, look at that engine look at that whatever like i've ever gazed under the hood of a car and said, Ooh, look at that. of course not i'm not no, i'm, I'm not mean, into cars at all well well then then say that <laughs> i'm not that into cars i'm not that into cars okay. I, I except when i like getting from one place to another and require <laughs> then, then something very, other than my own locomotion is then that you're fair? completely into the car okay no yeah i'm physically enough. into cars but i i like the fact that cars can get me places so <laughs> okay. i put it that way Okay. Hmm? okay. The trip to New York today would be much more difficult without a car, even just to get to the train station. Fair enough. So, having said that, I was enjoying this program about automobiles. It was uh, sort of a documentary about, well, one of them was about Mulholland Drive in Los Angeles, the 
winding road with Dead Man's Curve up near Coldwater Canyon with James Dean and you know racers and the car, some of these cars have plunged over the, the guardrails where there no are no guardrails and some of those ghostly cars still are down there in the canyon from the 60s and 70s and another one of these same series of programs was about uh, a plumber in in Los Angeles who bought a Ferrari in the 70s apparently couldn't afford it and appeared to have had the car and the car was stolen and the mystery was that he arranged to have it stolen Long story short, it was found buried in a backyard in South Central LA. So I was watching that and enjoying it. What uh, What was the name of the program? Well, the show was called Autobiography, and it was on a this channel that I didn't realize existed, Motor Trend. Um, but the reason I bring it up is I was thinking, they found something that's right in my wheelhouse. Uh, wheelhouse being the appropriate word. I did, perhaps, I don't know. But it was like the 70s in L.A., which was a source of fascination for me when I was a kid. We should really get our resident Los Angeles expert, Sam Farmer, on here to talk about this one of these weeks. But uh, something that's right in my wheelhouse. And what are the odds? And then they go to commercial. And what do you think the commercial was for, for this program that was right in my right demographic in wheelhouse? wheelhouse? Um, Rogaine? No, I, I wish. That would, that would suggest that I was some kind of a balding, middle-aged person. The commercial was Pat Boone for walk-in tubs. <laughs> oh, we're not quite in that market yet. I mean, not far off probably, but <laughs> not quite yet. So, well, well, well. well I mean... I, I always I feel that that pang of emotional pain whenever I'm I, I'm flipping through the channels and I settle on something that I, I find interesting and uh, and then it comes to the commercial and I think this is who they this this is who they think the demographic of this program this is, is. And this wait is a minute, who they think I am right yeah. wait a minute is this who I am <laughs> right that happens a lot actually when I'm if I'm watching NBA TV I was just going to say NBA TV during during the summertime is strangely when I watch. the youngest demographic in the major sports and yet right. you wouldn't know it to watch NBA TV right and, and I watch NBA TV more in in the summertime because they broadcast WNBA games but yeah then all of a sudden a commercial will come up you're like wait a minute this isn't the women's basketball viewer I see in the arenas that uh, that you're trying to appeal to. <laughs> and then you watch the World Series, and it's mostly commercials for the recently deceased. Right, right. Well, I uh, I was on the China uh, Robinson's podcast around the rim right before the Final Four started, and I brought up to her that uh, that most of her adver- advertisements were for was it male was it for testosterone or male hormone. Yeah. Um, boosting and she had no idea and anyway we were we were laughing quite a bit about that well, that, that should be our you i think you asked last week i may may have, producer denny gallagher may have taken it out but i think you asked me while we were recording and and as as nonsensical and trivial as most of the stuff we talk about is we sometimes remove stuff that is even less consequential than this right probably not very much but a few minutes gets removed from time to time am i right Yes. Yes. Okay. yes. Like these awkward silences. This will all be removed. But uh, one week, I don't remember if it went on the podcast or not. You asked me a couple of weeks ago, who would, what product would would appeal to our listening demographic? Our listeners, yes. advertisers, product would. And and did we come up with an answer for that? No, I think you brushed it aside. No, I think you said what what product would our our listeners never require? Oh, maybe that was what it was. I don't. I, I and I don't know. Deodorant? 
<laughs> our listeners don't require no, deodorant because it doesn't make any sense. They're so naturally, they, naturally, they, they naturally smell so good. Yes, exactly. You got nothing. Well, you've got a you've got a phone call that you have to make to prepare for the WNBA draft. We got stuff to do. We got to clean this house from top to bottom. Though I I did speed clean it in the hours after the final horn of the women's championship so uh, let's get to viewer mail i just want to say one more recovered memory from while you were gone we had this pineapple sitting in reproach on the kitchen counter for the whole three weeks of the tournament and i know you bought it so that i could give the kids fruit so they wouldn't get scurvy and it just sat there staring me in the face all the while all the while you were gone it has it hasn't been three weeks the the pineapple i got three weeks ago we already ate that one had been sitting there about a week which is which is right about right so it, okay. it so it perfectly ripens to a nice juicy sweet but uh snack but because i'm not i'm not stranded on a desert island i'm not tom hanks in castaway i didn't know how one accesses the pineapple inside this spiky protective covering so i said to our 12 year old do you have any idea how to core a pineapple and she said and i quote no but i'm sure i can figure it out how hard could it be it's a pineapple (laughs) And that made me feel better. About yourself or about her? I no, mean, it made me feel you, great about her. It made me feel better about, that's right, we can do this thing. When you told me that story, I felt good about her, not a little less good about you, because we have a implement we use I know. for pineapples, and, um, and you've seen me use it, and so that you still couldn't figure out how to how to core and cut the pineapple was a little bit not frustrating I, but disappointing to I, me i was in a pretentious new wave college band called the pineapple implement in like this is like 85 anyway so did was, yeah, she, was she able to yeah, she found she found the pineapple coring the pineapple implement my yes. favorite least favorite robert ludlum novel and uh, she figured out how to core the pineapple. It's really not very difficult. You cut the pot top off the pineapple. You use this implement. You pull out all the good parts no, of the you, pineapple. You, it cores it for you. You're, you're skipping a part. You cut the top off the pineapple. Right. Then you walk around the kitchen with that thing on your head. <laughs> is that what you did? Absolutely. And then your head got all sticky it because did. pineapple juice is sticky. But was it worth a laugh? It was It was worth a laugh for me. <laughs> I, think, I think our 12-year-old found it somewhat cringy. <laughs> Yes, it's good for her. Shall we get to viewer mail? We shall get to viewer mail. Big bad book, throw our lure, reel us in with your viewer mail. Uh, hi, Stephen Rebecca, writes Maggie to ballandchainpod at gmail.com. While listening to this week's podcast, I was immediately transported back to my childhood when Steve mentioned that those eating chicken in a biscuit might also be wearing overalls and watching Hee Haw. When I was a young tot, I had hee-haw overalls that I wore nearly every day and sometimes without a shirt on hot days. She includes a Google link to a photograph of said overalls. I just looked on Etsy and a vintage pair of hee-haw shorteralls would cost me $148 if I wanted to add them to my current wardrobe, which I don't, and if I did, I'd most assuredly wear them with a shirt. Here's the 1970s hee-haw cartoon short overall shorteralls, extra small on Etsy. Thanks for a trip down memory lane. Maggie with two G's in Seattle. P.S. Rebecca, I hope to see you here on May 25th for the Storm season opener versus Phoenix on ABC. Uh, um, well, I will be there. If the game is on ABC, I will absolutely be there. And I'll just throw this in. We were at a, a one of our production meetings, and there's probably 30, at least 30 people around this really long table. And the meeting started by everyone having to stand up, or not stand up, but just 
say a fun fact about them, say their name, what they did in the company, and a fun fact. And one of our bosses who I've known for 20 years, I learned something new about her. She said when she was a kid, she was on, I don't know how many episodes of Hee Haw. What? So, um, yes. So Pat was on Hee Haw. And uh, I, I need to find out if she has any photo photographic evidence of that. Well, be sure you see Maggie when you're in Seattle, but only if she wears the Etsy Hee Haw shorter alls. For sure. Dear Rebecca and Steve, writes Dr. Gary Siegel, I was thrilled to be considered for an in-basement appearance on the podcast, and it would be among the coolest things that I've ever done to be included among such superstars as the Golics, Denny with one N, and of course, Holly, Holly Rowe. I think, I, think, I think that's really the uh, Mount Rushmore of the Ball and Chain podcast right there. Well, it's we would the have only... to get a mural painted on, on the in-basement in wall. I think that's a good idea, yes. If, if you were to do that. I'm optimistic that your friendship with the Golics will not be negatively affected, but perhaps positively so by Rebecca's appearance in a short leprechaun outfit on national TV and or social media. Can you explain that, Rebecca? So whenever UConn, or sometimes when UConn and Notre Dame play for a national championship or in the Final Four in a really big game, Mike Golick um, has bet me, and, and the winner or the loser has to do something ridiculous. And every year he loses, and uh, he's had to put on a UConn cheerleading outfit. He had to let me paint his face on national television you know, during his show. And um, last year, he did not want to bet. He was adamant about not betting. And then Notre Dame won. And so this year, I was surprised to learn that not only did he want to bet me, but Mike Golick Jr., they both wanted to bet me. So the, the bet was, if UConn beat Notre Dame, then... They, they came up with this. Their viewers and listeners came up with this. If UConn won, then they would have to wear a birth simulator, um, which I guess is something that you put on your stomach and it sends things into your stomach and it makes you feel like you're giving birth. So obviously it hurts a lot. You're telling Dr. Siegel he probably yes. experiences it, it, well, the birth simulator. And then if Notre Dame won... He I is, would... after all, a birth stimulator. <laughs> Oh geez, if if they won, then I had to dress. I have to dress up like a leprechaun. Not only do I have to dress up like a leprechaun, I have to sit on a stool during their show. In between the two of them, I have to hold a whiteboard, and whatever they want to write on the whiteboard that I'm holding, they will write on that board. So, so since UConn lost and Notre Dame won, at some point in the next year, I'm guessing it'll probably happen next March Madness during the um, college bracket marathon. I will be sitting dressed as a leprechaun, holding a sign that says whatever the heck they want it to say. So. Well, Dr. Siegel says you look snazzy during the broadcast, and he promises with a basement visit comes an experienced light bulb and filter changer, a willing volunteer to take the van for an oil change and or service after filling the gas tank and emptying the cup holders. Can I throw this out there, though? Like, how absurd. It, somebody invents a birth simulator so that what? So that a guy can put it on and, and feel uncomfortable for, you know... 20 minutes or whatever that he wears it. How about the nine months of the person living inside you, the weight gain, the sleepless nights, and then the, you know, 12 to 24 hours of that labor that you're going through instead of, you know, here, let's hook up this little machine and and you can pretend that, that, you know, this is what it feels like to give birth when, and, and you don't even have the final process, which itself is a whole different level of craziness so um, would, would, would the notion a, that a birth simulator even exists is absurd would this be a bad time to bring up my kidney stone passing 
No, but it, it would be it, it would be a bad time to bring up when you stubbed your toe and said this hurts as much as giving birth. Do you remember I, I, that? I, 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 you, I remember that. I stubbed well. my toe and said this hurts as much as giving you birth. You stubbed your toe on okay. the left. That seems the, the, that seems the easternmost the northeasternmost post of our bed. You stubbed yeah. your toe that, and that, said this and as you were hopping in our room, this hurts. This feels like giving birth or something like that. And I just looked at you and turned and walked away. I didn't even say anything because it was one of the dumbest things that's ever come out of your mouth. It reminds me of the time that Homer Simpson fell out of an airplane onto a cactus and turned to camera and said, this is even more painful than it looks. Okay. Uh, good day, Stephen Rebecca, writes Chris to Ball and Chain Pod at Gmail. Thank you for producing such an entertaining podcast. I look forward to the new Ball and Chain episodes each week and often think of you each weekend as I cook my own version of melted meat. Ah. We retired the crock pot last night for the season as part of my meal prep for the upcoming work week. Congratulations, Rebecca, and the rest of the ESPN announcing team for providing yet another year of excellent coverage to the Women's National Championship. I greatly appreciate the discussion on social media posts related to all behind-the-scenes activities. So... I thought you should hear that. Please accept my humble request for a Ball and Chain podcast sticker. It will be a fine addition to the laptop computer that I use to process photos while covering the Connecticut Sun WNBA games. Perhaps I'll see you at a few games this summer. That gives me a chance to mention that all of the people who have requested, and Chris, uh, Chris of course, will get you Ball and Chain stickers. All of the people who requested swag from, I think, January 1st onward, I sent those out. Oh, you did? Uh, I, I had to go to the post office and get a... Uh, more sheets of 71 cent stamps. That's what these envelopes require. So uh, I did that. I don't like waiting in line at the post office. But anyway, swag has gone out. It probably hasn't been received yet, but it went out Friday, I think. So was it in that letter, or were you adding commentary when you said that the Crock-Pot's going to be retired well, for I, the season? I, I added that it's being retired anyway for, not Is, the season, for, for, well. How long do you need it to be retired for? Just uh, today. A couple weeks? Sure. Okay. Hello, Stephen Rebecca. My name is Maddie Vance. I have been listening to the Ball and Chain podcast since the beginning, but this is my first time writing in. I am proud to say that I am a member of the young viewers of your podcast. Please don't say How old? 60. Right. As I'm she, a, I don't need a walk-in tub. As I'm a 23-year-old physical therapy student. Yes, Maddie. All right. I came to find the podcast through my love of women's basketball and appreciations of sports and their writers. Smiley face. I enjoy listening to the podcast every week as it comes out. I personally listen to it while at the gym and find myself laughing while working out. At the time of this writing, the women's final four ended about an hour ago. What a great weekend of games. My heart goes out to both Lauren Cox, injured for Baylor during the... Uh, and a huge update today on Lauren Cox. She does not require sur- surgery. It was not an ACL. It was an MCL sprain and a bone bruise, but it looked so much worse than that. Great, great uplifting news that yeah. Lauren Cox of Baylor, who is a junior coming back next year, does not require surgery on and, her knee. And my heart also goes out to Rika Ogumbawale. Incredibly tough breaks for both great players. She, of course sent to the line at the, at the very end of the game. Uh, as a born and raised South Dakotan, I was thrilled to be able to watch both state schools compete in the tourney this year for the first time in history. If you've never if you've never experienced it, SD has a very proud and passionate basketball following. Becky South Hammond Dakota is from there, right? and, and South Dakota State both have a have have great followings. Those two programs, they're both really good. Yes, Becky Hammond is from South well, Dakota, but went to this. Colorado this State. I've had the privilege of attending two women's final fours in 2012 and 2014. Both times I went with my mom, and I have to say one of the highlights of the 2014 trip to Nashville was seeing none other than the Rebecca Lobo behind us at Starbucks. I saw you first and whispered to my mom, don't be weird, but Rebecca Lobo was five feet behind us. My mom always, the coolest, casually nodded and turned to see like we were making a shady business deal. (laughs) (laughs) Unfortunately, we both agreed that it might be rude to say hi, considering it was fairly early in the morning on what I am sure was a long day for you. Rebecca, good move or not? 
No, they definitely should have said hi. Okay. Regardless, it was a great trip for us. I definitely recommend the Final Four as a top-notch mother-daughter trip. I hope when I'm done with school, we can make the journey again. And if we do and see you again, I am definitely saying hi. Thank you both, along with Denny, for this great podcast. It's a highlight of my week and a great escape from schoolwork. Keep up the good work. Even you, Steve. Best wishes, Maddie Vance. I would also like some swag if possible. Maddie, it is on the way. People should certainly, if, if they see me in a situation like that, stop and, and say hello. And even if they think it's an early morning, chances are my morning started a while ago. And yet you discourage our own children from doing the same. No, just you. The okay. children are allowed to speak to me. I just need I need some alone time before I uh, get the full brunt of Steve Russian. <laughs> just before you go, and I'll finish the last couple without you because you have to take a phone call. Uh, Rachel in Idaho writes, uh, as I watched the women's tournament, I got thinking about the coaches of the most consistent and top teams. As I watched Kim Mulkey, Gina Oriema, Muffet McGraw, Tara Vanavir, Vivian Stringer, etc., my thought was, how does a program prepare for the eventual, sooner rather than later, retirement of these amazing coaches? Are they planning to do as Tennessee did with Holly Warlick, who has since been uh, uh, replaced, and prepare one of these assistants to take their place? How much longer do you see some of these coaches continuing, especially in the current environment, uh, lastly, who do you think Tennessee needs to try and get? They've already hired somebody, but go ahead, that, Rebecca. I'll hang up and listen. I don't know that they've hired someone. That was the that was the word. Oh, okay. Uh, it has been that they are going to hire Kelly Jolly Harper um, from Missouri State. Um, I don't know if that's a hundred percent. She played at Tennessee. She played at did Tennessee. Did you play against was her? A Tennessee great player there. No, she's she's uh, younger than me. I think she won a championship, perhaps multiple championships when she was there. Um, but that's the latest I've heard on that. I don't know how much longer any of these coaches are going to coach, and it's really hard to figure out what the succession will be. You would assume at a place like Notre Dame, you know, I would think Muffet McGraw is going to coach quite a few more years, but Neil Ivey is there as her associate head coach, played there, has been there forever, but still is a young woman who could coach for the next 20 years. I don't know what um, what the plans are. Uh, I don't think anyone does at UConn, but UConn just got a, a verbal commitment from a player from Minnesota, Paige Beckers, who's a junior in high school, who is, from what I understand, a great player. I've heard comparisons to Diana Taurasi in the way she plays, but also in her personality. And so I would think that makes it so, all right, Coach Ram is going to be at UConn at least five more years because he's going to want to coach this kid through her four years of college. But yeah, I mean, coaches go forever. So, so who knows how much longer all of the all of the coaches will be at their respective institutions. The last college basketball thing here: our resident educator Lauren uh, first was out with her friends at trivia while playing. I was watching the three point contest, and Sophie Cunningham was shooting an OMG. I was hollering at everyone within earshot, basically the whole bar, and was trying to start a debate on the diaper look. Super fun. Uh, Rebecca, I commented about your tweet about ducking. You tweeted about you don't use the word ducking, but autocorrect frequently changes it to ducking. Not frequently because I don't often use any other word that it would change. But in one certain situation at the at the Final Four, I was texting Holly Rowe and um, and autocorrect put ducking in there. And yes, I I, I never never use the word ducking. Uh, well, Lauren uh, enjoys her own salty language and fixed the autocorrect thing by creating a contact in my phone, my own number, and now my phone recognizes the word. So I assume she created <laughs> her own number the F word is as, under as, as, the F word. she comes oh, up. Yeah, she calls somebody. That's I'm great. not going to do that. Her students have a podcast we mentioned, The Umbrella of No Judgment. It's now on iTunes and Spotify, and the kids were uh, very psyched when we mentioned it on the podcast. Uh, she says, we have hit iTunes and Spotify, so we are kind of a big deal. I love right. the, We've got to make sure now that I have some time, i got to make sure to listen to Absolutely. our podcast. And, and lastly, uh, before uh, TDH plays us out, we've got a couple of bits of love for Tom, Dick, and Harry here. Uh, first, uh, our friend Michael Atchison writes, 
My exhaustive knowledge of lunch meats finally pays off. Two shows back, Steve mentioned pick a loaf, a meat product that has proven commercially resilient over the years, despite the fact that it is, by almost any reasonable estimation, pretty gross. But in the most recent episode, a listener wrote to say that the product Steve remembered was not pick a loaf, but olive loaf. And Steve accepted the correction. However, I write to tell you that pick a loaf and olive loaf both exist and can be found at your local grocer. Some people call, some manufacturers call pick a loaf pickle and pimento loaf. Here's a link to a website of one popular brand that makes both products. You can see images of each. The same company also makes a product called Old Fashioned Loaf, which, regrettably, tastes nothing like an old fashioned. <laughs> on an unrelated note, Tom, Dick, and Harry's theme song for the show Happiness Lane plays on a continuous loop in my subconscious, but always hits a speed bump when it describes your family as androgynous, a word that doesn't immediately jump to mind when I think of you. I suspect that this is Tom's nod to fellow genius songwriter Paul Westerberg, who wrote the tune Androgynous for his great Minneapolis band, the replacements. Can you confirm, or does Steve just like to feel pretty sometimes? Well, yes, I do like to feel pretty sometimes, and who doesn't? But uh, yes, my brother Tom is a huge fan of the replacements, Paul Westerberg, and his his fellow uh, Minneapolis uh, alt rockers. Um, I always sort of just assumed it was a slight dig at his sister-in-law, which I was it, it, completely willing to accept. I think that's just a bonus. Um, <laughs> P.S. Michael writes, My daughter will be a freshman at the University of Minnesota in the fall, which gives me a good excuse to visit the Twin Cities. He lives in Kansas City. And catch as many Tom, Dick, and Harry gigs as possible. Well, we plugged Perfect. one last week. Tom, Dick, and Harry, I forget the date, but I'll, I'll get it I'll get it on the next pod as we lead up to it, are opening for one of Tom's favorite bands of the 80s, the Flame and O's. How did this happen? We don't know. I mean, well-deserved and, and kudos, but uh, it's a pretty amazing thing. Lastly, and I love this viewer mail, Dear Steve and Rebecca, my husband is from Waterville, Minnesota. Last year for his birthday, the kids and I gave him tickets to see his beloved twins at Target Field for the first time. On the way up and back in the car, he introduced me to your podcast. I have to confess that I know nothing about basketball, but know what it's like to be married to someone who's a Minnesota sports fan and who loves Gak White Castles and Little Debbie Swiss Cake Rolls. I listen to your podcast every week on Wednesday evening as I drive from job A to job B and home again. In a perfect week, like last week, Tom, Dick, and Harry played me into the driveway at the end of a long day. She actually writes Tom, Dick, and Hari with a hyphen in between. I love to hear that you and your kids are fans of Barnes & Noble since I work at one here in Iowa. In fact, I personally recommended all six copies of Stingray Afternoons that we sold in hardcover in our store. I plan to make Knights in White Castle my staff recommendation when it comes out next month. Thank you so much, Annie. I appreciate that. I would like to apply to be the resident ball and chain bookseller since you don't have one yet. You're absolutely right. And how do, have we not had one? She personally sold five copies of yes. Stingray Afternoons. You know what? I walked that into Barnes. That itself, she she wins the title. I walked into Barnes and Noble in West Hartford sometime in the last six months, and a bookseller there asked me what I was looking for. I said, just browsing. I went to rifle through my own book as I like to do. No, I was just browsing, and she personally recommended a book and she was so enthusiastic about it, a book called the nightingale by Kristen hannah that i would never have otherwise picked up that she all but forced it upon me and 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 i bought into her enthusiasm for it. i haven't read it yet it's on my to be read pile but i appreciated that and i'm sure any author would appreciate that i love to hear that you and your kids are fans of barnes and noble so our resident bookseller would like to recommend for the bcbc ball and chain book club if you like Stingray Afternoons, try Bill Bryson's Adventures of the Thunderbolt Kid, a book about what it's like to grow up in Des Moines in the 1950s. Well, Annie, I've read that. I loved it. I've read all of Bill Bryson's books and have loved them all. Uh, also, my husband listens to a number of different podcasts and has fallen behind on yours. I'd love to request some of the swag that you send your regular listeners. Won't he be jealous? Thanks for sharing yourselves and your family. Uh, P.S. I consider myself to be a cracker lover. Chicken and the Biscuit was a special treat that we saved for road trips when I was a kid. They do, in fact, contain dehydrated chicken. Uh, what a coincidence because I think that is our sponsor this week is dehydrated chicken I prefer I prefer not to think of which bits have been dehydrated 
That's from Annie in North Liberty, Iowa. Thank you so much, Annie. And given her love of listening as Tom, Dick, and Harry play us into the uh, driveway, this is a good time for TDH to play us out. Saying says no pain, no gain, and we found that to be fact. The road might twist and turn a bit, but we all arrive intact. Mr. Mom and Mrs. Dad having each other's back. Day by day, just to keep it sane. Who's the ball and who's the chain? It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane. Six of us and the family pet live in this cuckoo nest. Daily grind puts your sanity to a daily test. Androgynous and vigorous What we give for a little rest Stay by day just to keep it sane Who's the ball and who's the chain It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane It's hard to tell right here on Happiness Lane